Welcome back to the Everything Property Podcast. I'm your host, David Hamilton, and today we're talking all things book reviews. Now, I have with me in my hot little hands, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Now, this book on the front cover, it boasts 2 million copies sold. I can confirm at the time of recording, it has 58,058 reviews on Amazon. Uh, So regardless, there's a lot of people buying this book. There's a lot of people reading this book. I've had it recommended to me. I've seen it online. So I thought, why not order it? review it, read it, review it, and post it up for everyone else to enjoy. Now, property is a game of finance and what better book to jump into than this psychology of money. Now, how I usually do these reviews is that I read the book and then I'll make a a note or summary. With this particular book, the way it's set out is that there's 20 chapters, 18 of those are more or less lessons about money, and then the 19th chapter is funnily enough uh, Morgan's summary of some really key ideas throughout the book and then chapter 20 is more or less his confessions about how he sees money, um, how he uses money with his family and a little bit to do about his uh, financial position. The way, I, the way I read this book is each chapter I try to summarize it short and sharply into 20 lessons and then I got to chapter 19 and I saw that he did a summary so I've kind of merged everything together and in what I take away from it is 11 key points or key learnings about money. So I'm going to run through all of them. Hopefully by the end of it, you can have a pretty good grasp about what this book's about and maybe you can take away a couple of these um, and then I'll give a summary at the end of my thoughts on the book as a whole. But let's jump straight into it. So Lesson number one is that less ego equals more wealth. So a a cool thing that he puts into perspective here is that saving money is the gap between your ego and your income and wealth is what you don't see. So he talks about this idea of wealth being small sacrifices today in exchange for future options and freedom in the future. The bigger your ego, meaning the more money you need to spend, meaning the less distance you have between your income and the money you can save. So if you're think of those think of those people um, that are spending almost their income every single week spending spending paycheck to paycheck, it's usually because they got an ego that they need to satisfy um, and they need to keep up with their appearances. So I thought great lesson. Number two is your most powerful tool in this game and in money and in wealth accumulation is time. Time pushes results closer to what people deserve. Now, a thing I, was, I wasn't able to track down and, and fact find this, but one of the really interesting points that he makes in this, in this particular chapter is that $81.5 billion of Warren Buffett's $84.5 billion net worth came after his 65th birthday. What he also goes to describe about Warren Buffett is not because he's, you know, some awesome investor that doesn't make a mistake but he's also been doing this for the past 50 years and he's had 50 years of compound growth so that's when he gets after his 65th birthday does he see all that compound growth come into fruition another good point he makes in this chapter is that the first rule to compounding is to never interrupt it unnecessarily leave it put it away so if you're buying a house the sooner that you can start that and the longer that you can leave it is the better that you will benefit in the long run the number three lesson I learned was to be okay with things going wrong. It's bound to happen. You can be wrong half of the time and still make a fortune, but 
always look at your investments as a whole rather than individually and be comfortable with things going wrong. Number four was to save your money for life. And I can't stress this enough, especially with that point number one with let's say go more wealth. But he talks about this idea of life being an unpredictable chain of surprises that having savings that aren't necessarily allocated to anything, but just having money saved up is making sure you're planning against life's ability to surprise the hell out of you at the worst possible moment. So sometimes people, sometimes people can get thrown into very unfortunate and desperate circumstances and that often leads back to them not having emergency funds saved. Number five is to avoid extreme financial decisions. So everyone's goals and plans change over time, that's fine, but the more extreme your past decisions are, the more likely you are to regret them in the future. Number six, and it's a very good Uh, I guess shift of perspective was that nobody's crazy and he says this he goes depending on where you were born and your experiences everyone has vastly different different views so when we make a decision our decisions are based on our experiences and our views and they make sense to us in that given moment hence nobody's crazy we just all have different views and he uses a really cool example here uh, over in the over in America about the US lotto tickets it's that he has some crazy stat with um, people not having a $400 emergency fund saved but then the amount of people that will spend $400 uh, on scratchies over a year and now he says to you and I that might may seem like crazy that people wouldn't save $400 to put towards emergencies or to have saved up as an emergency fund however the way he flips it he says these people that are spending $400 uh, on scratches, you know, have a, a, a living in, in poverty, extremely poor lives and their one bit of hope that they can grasp onto um, to potentially change their life for the better for the rest of their lives is to buy that lotto ticket. It fills them with hope that is the one ticket out of there. And so to us, it may seem crazy, but to them, it seems like their beacon of hope. And I think that was a really good way of, of, of putting the perspective that no one's crazy, we just all have different views. Lesson number seven that I got out of this was that there is a f- extremely fine line between luck and risk. There's a similarity between the two in that they're virtually doppelgangers. There's millimeters between inspiringly bold and foolishly reckless. They mentioned this story of Bill Gates and the luck in inverted brackets, the luck he has as a kid. He was in high school, um, there was 303 million high school kids at the time, of that 303 were attending his high school and thus giving him access to a computer. Now, you look at the stats of that 303 kids, at 300 million, I think it's like a one in a million chance that he he was at that high school that had that access to a computer and everyone knows who Bill Gates is and who he went on to be. Now, equally talented was a friend in his class called Ken Evans and Bill Gates when he was younger admitted that Ken Evans was the best in class. Now unfortunately his classmate Evans uh, his life was cut short on a mountaineering accident and the odds of mountaineering accidents uh, that the book goes on to tell is roughly one in a million. So what do we learn from these stories that there's luck and there's risk and both are 
a reality of every outcome that are guided by forces outside of one's individual effort and the accidental impact of these actions can have a more consequential effect than the ones that you consciously take that's more or less saying that you may be accidentally impacted by something that you have no control over compared to actions that you take and you have consciously made a decision to do now it ends up with clarifying that if you want to study successful people as well rather than look at the outliers of the the bill gates and and the the specific stories he says look at the patterns of these people the successful patterns that is more or less in every one of these stories of the successful ceos and billionaires of the world learning number eight is that nothing is free because nothing worthwhile nothing worthwhile is free and remember that most financial costs don't have a visible price tag uncertainty doubt and regret are common costs in the finance world. They're often worth paying, but you have to view them as fees of doing business rather than fines or something you want to avoid. Sometimes there is just the price of doing business and that is how he describes that nothing is free. The ninth lesson from this is that there is going to be surprises, errors and change. Room for error may be viewed as conservative, but he says if you build this into the game that you are playing, some room for error, it can pay for itself many times over. You need to expect your your plan not to go to plan. There's going to be errors, there's going to be changes, there needs to be some wiggle room for movement. The 10th lesson I learned from this was the difference between getting wealthy versus staying wealthy. Now, it's one thing to get money and it's another thing to keep it. This is why you sometimes you see people that win the lotto, especially in America, they win this massive amount of money and then a few years later, they're bankrupt and back to working in the same job. That's because they've obviously got wealthy, but they're not good at staying wealthy. So they still have those same habits as what they did before. To keep wealth, Morgan mentions that it requires humility, frugality, and the fear that everything you've made can be taken from you at any second. So survival mentality should be the cornerstone of your strategy for investing in your career or in business. And number 11, the last lesson that we learn um, and that is freedom, time and independence. Now, when he summarizes at the end of this book, he sort of covers himself and says that, look, people have vastly different goals and desires. That's okay. There is no single right answer, just what works for you. So, he he prefaces um, this chapter 19 summary saying, it may not work for you. Everyone's circumstances are different. He doesn't know where you're starting. He doesn't know where your finish line is. However, this is what he recommends from his life's journey. So the name of the game as Morgan sort of defines it is own your own independence. He wants to do whatever he wants, when he wants and with who he wants. So the way he summarizes this is sort of independence with time equals his freedom. Now, the last chapter of this book is is more or less Morgan's summary for his money, how he spends it and the answer to the psychology of money. Now, now the answer to all of this and how Morgan feels he won this game of money is pretty simple. He says that he and his wife got the goalposts of these lifestyle desires to stop moving at a young age. He describes their house, car and belongings as nice, as nice, but not luxury. And because these goalposts have stopped moving, that means 
every time their salaries have increased is meant that there has been an increase to his savings rate. So you often see people that once they upgrade, they get a new job, they get a new salary, they upgrade their lifestyle choices, they upgrade where they live, they upgrade their car, they upgrade all that kind of stuff. And the savings rate is the same, if not less. So what Morgan's saying is that he, because he's got these sort of mediocre or in inverted brackets, nice uh, belongings and nice house and that's what he's capped out at. Every time that he's increasing that income, he's increasing his savings gap and he's keeping his lifestyle expenses at the same level. Now, that's what I see as one of the biggest burdens for us young people, especially in the race on social media and everyone needing the biggest and the best is that everyone's trying to buy the newest cars, everyone's trying to buy or we often, especially in this society, we're always trying to upgrade and, and do better than our friends and all that kind of stuff. This comparison is is sort of the thief of joys that he's saying, if you can get those goalposts and if you can get those goalposts to remain the same and you can tick off and find those goals and hit those goals early, then the rest of it's just a bonus. He, descri- he actually described it as uh, comfortably living below what you can afford without much desire for more. Now, that, that removes a tremendous amount of social pressure than many people in the modern first world subject themselves to. Now, I was reading this book thinking that this dude must be a millionaire, but he sort of says that his net worth, so to speak, is, is more or less a house with no mortgage. Uh, a checking account with what he describes as 20% of his wealth in cash in there. So obviously a very large uh, cash buffer and then some Vanguard index funds. That's it. Now, after he sold 2 million copies of this book at, you know, 20 to 30 bucks, I'm sure there's a couple of little extra things that have, have creeped in and I would love to, to hear what they are. But look, he ends the book by saying, no matter how we save or invest you should always have the goal of independence and sleeping well at night. But then ends it saying with the biggest open-ended response, each to their own, no one is crazy. So more or less, take this book and this advice, if you may, if not, you're not crazy if you don't, but that is his advice. Now, I think it's Person, when I reflect back on reading this book and I had it recommended to me um, a number of times, I found it was it was a good read. I think it would be more tailored towards people that maybe uh, don't have any financial knowledge, don't read any books um, and sort of want some foundational principles to run by or to start with. I think it's a good read for those kind of people. It's probably also a good gift or better for the younger crowd as well, especially around ego and, and, and trying to impress people and that kind of stuff. It sort of pulls that all into perspective and gives people another another outlook. And so, yeah, look, it's an awesome book and uh, totally recommend it. Hoping that you guys uh, got a lot from this summary and instead of reading this uh, over a few weeks, a couple hundred pages, I'm hoping in this summary you did get a lot out of it because I know I did.